When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Another episode of Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan one song at a time. Proud member of the Fine Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, a freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me this week to talk about uh, a obscure Dylan song, uh, Abandoned Love from 1975, is another fellow uh, obsessive Dylan fan and someone who has written into the show and, and asked if he could ever be on the show. And I said, why not? Let's go ahead. I would love to hear from Dylan fans. Patrick Butler. Patrick, thank you for doing the show. Thank you, Rob. Uh, I really much appreciate you doing this. Like I said, you, you wrote in a little while ago. You were one of the first people to send me some nice feedback and say, if you ever want to talk about these couple of songs, I'd love to be on. And, and all the songs you picked were, were perfect choices. But uh, we certainly wanted to go with Abandoned Love because there's a lot to say about this very good and yet obscure song. But before we get into mm. all that, like, just give us a brief history. Like, what's your history with Bob Dylan? So uh, I'm from, uh, uh, you know, uh, a family where my father was a Dylan fanatic growing up. Um, and, you know, he's one of those guys that when the records were first coming out, you know, in the early 60s and mid 60s, etc., he was like 13. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's like the right age. So and uh, I think and I have to check. I think my, my uncle Kevin actually saw Bob perform in 61 or 62. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So much, much before, you know, the stardom. Um, uh, so, so when I was a kid, you know, Greatest Hits, the 67 version, the first volume, um, was kind of constantly on in the car. And then Blood on the Tracks was the other album that my dad played all the time uh, whenever we went for long rides. So it was always just kind of in the background. And I, but I very remember this specifically. I was about 9 or 10 years old. We were driving one Saturday morning. I was probably doing my paper route. And... Uh, <laughs> And Positively 4th Street came on the radio, and I'd never heard that before. And the last verse, you know, um, I wish that for just one time you could stand inside my shoes. And, you know, when you're in, like, 6th, 7th grade, you know, you just want to tell people to F off, right? (laughs) And to hear him do it that way, basically saying F you to the world without actually saying those words. Right. And the way he did it, I was, and the music, of course, I mean, I just love, you know, that kind of mid-60s rock sound. It just, like, I was off. And after that, I just kind of went into it on my own. And, you know, I just feel like I've got everything. I've got bootlegs. I, I started to go see him, I think, around 93, 94. And I saw him probably about mm, 12 or 13 times between, like, 94 and 99. Mm. And then I moved to New York City for college. And, I, you know, I always subconsciously think that was kind of Bob because, you know, obviously <laughs> the great story of Bob is that he went to New York and, you know, became who he became. And, uh, and then I actually didn't go for a long time. Um, and I, I, I still followed the records, but I just didn't go to the shows. And then the last few years, I've gotten really back into it and, and just, you know, the Dylanology community and everything. And so, so, yeah, that's my history. I mean, I could go on for hours, you know, about <laughs> all of it. But uh, that's the short version. Basically, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it was like a Rolling Stone. It was, uh, you know, it was Hurricane, whatever. You know, for me, it's positively forestry, which... In the end, I'm like, it's a good tune. It's not, you know, I don't put it up there with his best stuff or anything. Mm. But, uh, you know, so that just, like, it just, it just hooked me. And, uh, and yeah, and, uh, and then I think Blood on the Tracks, it just, 
for me, that's the album. That's the Desert Island disc. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Everything about that album is, you know, incredible. And so I, I just, anytime people want to understand me, I'm like, put on that album and you can pretty much, <laughs> give me so yeah, that's I mean, my it's, answer to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're a fan, so. it's one of the great things about Dylan is that there's so much to dive into. If you want to become a super fan, there's material for you to become that, you know, there's decades and decades of material, concerts, there's just so much stuff and bootlegs and bootlegs is the perfect uh, segue to what we're talking about because this song yeah is uh, abandoned love it's from 1975 it was written in the sort of uh, vague period after blood on the tracks but before the work on the next album which was 1976's desire really right. started formally this song was introduced live um at a ramblin jack elliott show at the the bitter end or the other end i, I can't seem to i can't it was seem to it was originally called The Bitter End. That was the name of the club for a long time. And I think in the mid-70s, there was like a change in man- management. And they wanted to kind of keep the, the Bitter End rep, but also get like rock acts, et cetera, to play. So, and I think they actually moved the physical, like some aspects of the club to a different side of the building. Because it was still, I, I don't know if it's still there. It was on uh, Bleecker Street, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so I think they called it The Other End because they had moved like the bar or something to the other side of the, the room. And, uh, and yeah, and then he, he showed up there. So if I recall, right, so Bob would actually move back to New York City um, for a while. Right. And, uh, and uh, you know, which is definitely probably the smartest thing for a crumbling marriage, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I, have you ever seen Ramblin' Jack, by the way? In no. Concert? No, I have not. I saw, him, I saw him when I was about 16 uh, here in Boston. And um, I think he played three songs, but the show was like two hours long. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's yeah, not the great, not the greatest commercial in the world for a Raymond Jack Elliott no, show. No, I mean, uh, you know, he's a rock raconteur. He tells stories. That's yeah. really what he does. Um, but it so, was, it was good. It was fun. It was interesting. He had a lot of funny stories, you know, about Bobby Zimmerman. That's what he kept calling uh, him all night. I'm sure, know, so. yeah. He's in that documentary, uh, the No Direction Home, and he's he's a character in that one. But uh, yeah. But anyway, in this this concert, yeah. it was a Raymond Jack Elliott concert, and he brings Bob on to sing some songs with him, and then at one point. Uh, apparently, Ramblin' Jack Elliott just just turned the stage over to Dylan, and instead of Dylan performing one of his famous songs, he whips out this brand new original song. And we were very fortunate, the rest of us, that some uh, industrious fan had a tape recorder and recorded it because it is the you know all the bootlegs of this recording exist from that single source, yep. and it's a it's a pretty extraordinary. I mean, the song itself is fantastic. It it seems to have a lot of the same themes from Blood on the Tracks, but in a slightly more wistful and humorous, uh, maybe even more expansive way than, than they would have been tackled on Blood on the Tracks. There's, some, 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 there's one line that's genuinely funny in it, uh, and you can hear that in the audience. The audience in the beginning is starting to, you can kind of hear them muttering a little, like, what, yeah. what are we, I think they're trying to figure out, is this a song we know? And then, then it becomes clear after the second or third verse, this is a brand new song, and what, a, what an amazing experience that's got to be. I mean, Bob Dylan whipping out a new song live in front of you. Uh, and, and as the song goes on, the crowd gets more and more into it because they realize, OK, this is an extraordinary performance. And there's there's one point where they just start clapping in the middle of like mm-hmm. a line because they just think they're just so overjoyed at what, to what they're hearing. Yeah, I mean, I love that uh, that version of this. First off, I mean, we should say he's only I don't think he ever performed it again live. No, it is um, never, it's funny on Bob Dylan dot com. It is listed as being never been performed live, which is it, which 
completely is untrue because you can hear it. Uh, I guess it's just never been done at an official Dylan concert, which is, I guess, what they're how they're counting. Which is, yeah, yeah, probably what they're referring to. But I mean, certainly, um, I think that that performance is obviously amazing because you know he first off the guitar part he plays is really beautiful. I mean, he plays like kind of this open major key thing, and then he does these little fills at the beginning, and and his vocal is is, is really great and very you know, the way, Yeah, and he really sings it, you know, and. Um, you know, if we get into the lyrics a little bit, I mean, the first verse, you know, I can see the turning of the key, you know, I think, I think you're right. I mean, this is clearly a song that I don't think it would have really worked on Blood on the Tracks in a way. I mean, I think you're right. It's got a lot of the same themes, but in terms of, uh, you know, what it, what it is, it's a very different kind of song. I mean, a lot of Blood on the Tracks, there's a lot of much more, um, you know, they veer between, you know, kind of like real anger and, oh yeah. And, and, you know, then some real mournfulness. But this one, you're right, it's, it's, it's more like, you know, I love you, but this has to end. I, you know, I, I don't know if I can let this thing go. It's, it's so clearly, you know, of that time, of that period of when he was breaking up with his first wife. And, um, you know, I can see the turning of the key. I mean, here's the change, you know. Yeah. I, and then I, I always love that line about um, I've been deceived by the clown inside of me because, you know, I think all of us who've been in, you know, relationships and stuff are like, yeah, you know, we fool ourselves into thinking, oh, it's it's going to keep going or it's, you know what I mean? Like, that's a great image, um, which, of course, you know, only he does, you know, yeah. it's like no one can even touch him. I mean, I've been deceived by not, you know, I've been deceived by the beast or the man by the clown, you know, I'm yeah. a clown. <laughs> and I just, you know, I think right there, if I'd been in the audience, I would have been like, oh, here he goes. He, yeah. He's going to just. He's doing it again, writing the best song of the year, you know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, and, a, there's, a, there's a verse in this live version that was not retained for the studio version, which we'll get to shortly, which is, uh, uh, and, and this is a rough translation because, of course, there is no official version, but right. it's uh, sent out for St. John the Evangelist. All my friends, right. uh, all my friends are... Can, they can be dismissed. <laughs> they can be dismissed. My head said it's time to make a change, but my heart is telling me I love you, but you're strange. you're strange. And you love to hear the audience just crack up at that line because, yeah, that's a very warm-hearted... You know, it's it's critical of the person he's singing to, but it's it's funny. You know, I love you, but you're strange. Well, who has it again? Who hasn't felt like that sometimes in their life? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, the other thing I really enjoy sometimes. There's a couple of uh, passages I, I, was, I was highlighting to myself last night. Like, my patron saint is fighting with a ghost, which I think is in both versions. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, Bob. You know, I mean, we all know Bob was born, you know, Jewish, etc. But I mean, he has a lot of Christian imagery. You know what I mean? And, oh yeah. You know, I mean, I'm a Catholic, you know, raised Roman Catholic. I mean, patron saint, you know what I mean? That's like a huge, you know, image and, and stuff. And it's like, again, he takes that image, you know, he's fighting with the ghost, but he's always off somewhere when I need him most. You know, uh, that sense of I'm praying for, I'm praying for help. I'm praying, you know, I mean, for this relationship to work. And then when I need it, you know, it's not, it's not there. I mean, again, it's just, it's wonderful. It really is. I mean, my patron saint is, you know, fighting with a ghost, <laughs> right? It's the unseen um, I mean, I, I hate when people are like, Dylan's a poet, man. Um, he, <laughs> he is. He is poetic. I mean, there's no question. But he is He is just a great songwriter, too, you know, and, and you can't discount that aspect of him. But, but sometimes when I see songs like this, I'm like, yeah, you know, he really, this really could have been like something I read in 10th grade English, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. 
And then it, it ends with, uh, the, so the, the live version ends with, says, step lightly, darling, near the wall, which again, it's calling her darling, it's very sweet. Put on your heavy makeup, wear your shawl. Won't you descend from the throne from where oh. you sit, which is a brutal line, and then let me feel your love one more time before I abandon it, which right. again, it, this seems to sum up so much of, of a relationship of the idea of, you know, you want to sort of like, you know you're going to break up, but you're going to sort of be together briefly one more time before this all ends. It's, it has such a yin-yang quality to it that I could see why this was considered to be on Desire, because I think Desire has a lot of that sort mm. of tone to it. But then uh, he eventually went on to try and record it for Desire, and that version uh, does exist in an official form. You can get it on the Biograph box set, which came out in 1985. And that version... It has some different lyrics. Uh, you you've mentioned you mentioned to me off the air that you like the the drum part of it a lot. Well, you know, I I actually really like that version too. I mean, that was how I first heard it, right? right. So um, I, didn't, I don't I didn't uh, buy Biograph because one I couldn't stand the sequencing when I first kind of saw it because it's like all over the map. It's like first it's like early sixties and it's like late sixties and it's back to early sixties and it's the eighties. You know, so for me, it was like a very confusing retrospective box set. So I didn't own it for a long time. So I didn't hear Abandoned Love probably till 2003. Um, but when I did, I remember feeling like, and so the first version I heard was the, was the version, the studio version, which I think, Rob, I think that was what was cut first for Desire. I actually think. Really? Um, yeah, I think what happened was he had moved back to New York. Um, he hooked up with Rob Stoner, who played the bass for that record and on the Rolling Thunder album uh, tour. And then he was doing this thing with uh, with uh, the guy who produced Phil, uh, Billy Joel, Phil Ramone. He's yeah, like Phil the Ramone, guy. right? Yeah, yeah. Phil Ramone. He produced the album, I think. And so there was a ton of musicians around. Um, I don't know who plays the drums or who does the vocal harmony with him on the the last line of every uh, verse. There. I wonder if it's uh, Lou Harris because she did a lot of that. She sang a lot on Desire. She did, but I I mean, as someone who's been a big fan of hers too, I, I can tell you just from listening to it, it, it can't be her because okay. the singer's a little too low. Okay. Um, Emily has got a very ethereal kind of voice, which is great for Oh Sister, which I think is probably the best song on that album. But, um, but yeah, I, I do like it a lot. I mean, I think it, I think it, I like the sound of the violin and the drums and the acoustic guitar. I feel like that's a great sound for him. I, I love that he only does it for one album, you know, but, yeah. um, I really like it. I, I think that there's a lot of people will tell you that desire was one of the, you know, people who don't really like Bob Dylan will be like, well, I like hurricane. And that's kind of the same setup, you know, violin, drums, acoustic guitar, you know, that's a, that's a really great sound he has. And, uh, so I would say, you know, it's a, it's a really good version. I mean, if you, if you don't know the song, definitely it's not, don't, don't avoid it or something. Oh, no, 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 it's very, I, no, I do like it. I don't mean to be dismissive of it. And there were some, there were some lyrical changes, which I like very much. There's the line about, we sat in an empty theater and we kissed. I asked you please to cross me off your list. I mean, that's a great, you know, that's another great turn of phrase. I mean, the, the guy just had more great turns of phrases that he could jam in any given song, uh, you know, which is remarkable. But anyway, yeah, they, this was recorded for Desire and then left behind. Uh, it was uh, apparently literally exchanged for Joey. Yeah. Uh, I don't really understand why you could call, you know, why that one over this one, because they're two completely different songs. Um, but, uh, and Joey, the, I have my issues with that song and that, <laughs> you know, a lot, as a lot of people do. Uh, but it's a shame that this didn't make it onto Desire because I think it's terrific. But it does seem to suggest. I've read in some some books that that Dylan thought it was maybe too reminiscent of the material on Blood on the Tracks, and that's why it was left behind. I mean, who really ever knows? 
but yeah. it, it does. It, it's like a halfway point between the two albums, so I could sort of see that reasoning if that's what it was. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely what occurred. I mean, I think he. Well, first off, we all know that he gets super bored, you know, um, with anything if it, you know, after more than a few weeks or something, you know. So um, I think what happened is they cut this first because he was still kind of in that part of the tracks dissolution marriage songs he was right and and uh and then he you know he started making the album and then he started collaborating with that guy jack levy who basically co-wrote i think right most, most of the songs yeah yeah most of the songs on on desire which i mean you know clearly he was looking to just do something different and move away from that and i think that's really why i think thematically and if you really think of it um rob i mean you know where does it really fit on the record i mean Sarah, which is the last song in that album, is like, please stay with me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, put a band in love and Sarah on the same album, I think, would have been, a, would have been kind of, uh, at least for him, maybe, would have been a little weird. And then most of the songs on that album, I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely singing from, like, a different place. You know, Hurricane is, is kind of a story song. Isis is another story song. I mean, these are great songs. Yeah, you know, Black but, Diamond Bay is a tremendous story song. That's yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome one. But then, you know, you get to Joey, and you're like, it just it just doesn't work for me. I think lyrically it's, it's way too long. It's all over the map. It's kind of silly. I think Dylan loves outlaw stories. You know, he yeah. loves cowboy songs. He loves, you know, the old myths of America, of the bank robbers and, you know, train robbers and everything. And I think they probably were like, Hey, let, let's try to do one for a modern day New York city gangster. And, and, you know, it's just like, it doesn't work, you know, born in Red Hook, Brooklyn. It's, I don't know. I, I think, but I think I could see them sitting around and be like, hey, what do we put on this? And he probably said, mm, put on Joey. Yeah. Joey Gallo did a lot of horrible things. So it's kind of exactly. hard, for me to, hard for me to hear Bob Dylan sing, waxing rap- rhapsodically about him. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, this, this guy was a racist and murdered people. Yeah. I'm a little like, come on, Bob, what are you doing? But, yeah. you know, uh, you could argue that that's, he's going for something else. But anyway, with a band, with a band in love, yeah, I could sort of see why it doesn't really fit anywhere and oddly enough i could sort of picture it on street legal in a weird way <laughs> if he had recorded for that but bob tended not to do that the song as as we've seen pretty much up until the last decade or so songs that are left off albums are just gone forever they're just abandoned yeah. forever and they're never returned to it's only been the last couple albums where he's done a little of that of like hey wait a minute that was good why don't i do that one again but uh but yeah i mean in either version and they're both very different uh, it, there's, it's a tremendous song. It's a tremendous song. It's again, it's it's sad, but it's warm-hearted, and I think that's just a nice combination. And yeah, with the the great turns of phrase, it really is a, a powerful thing. And it's just one of those, you know, it it just underscores the depths of the guy's creativity. That, that, that something as good as this could just be left behind and and just forgotten. And you know, it's, as we said, it's never been performed in concert. He's just once it was on Biograph. That's it. Nobody, nobody's ever really bothered with it again, which is too bad. Because I said it's, it's really terrific. Yeah, I, I, I definitely will. I mean, if you're going to look at the, the stuff, in the, I mean, so to us, you know, there's so much in the '70s that is great, and everyone should listen to and everything. But I, I always say, you know, if you, if you don't, if you want to hear a great one by him, that's not really well known, but might, you know, get you into Dylan. I, you know, I've been pointing it to people for a while because I'm like, I think it, it just, you know, if you want to understand Bob and why he's a great songwriter, and, and it's the perfect mix of a love theme, you know, which is a huge theme in Dylan's music, um, and those great images and that he's always able to conjure up. And, and you know, both versions, I just think, uh, I just highly recommend. You know, it's funny because, like I was saying, my father is a huge fan, and he'd never heard it before. You know? <laughs> and I, I played it for him once, a, 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 like a year or two ago or something, and he's like, this is a really good song. <laughs> yeah, it's an awesome song, you know? 
Uh, and look at it, and he didn't even put it on the album. That's how that's how good he is. That yeah. he doesn't, you know, his some of his best stuff. He's like, nah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm on something else. Something we've covered many times on the show. Just you know, yeah. great material you, on that love bomb. Have you ever listened to some of the cover the cover versions of it that were done? No, um, I actually haven't. So the Everly Brothers did a version of it in like the early '80s. I'm sure you know. I'm, I think the other thing that happens a lot of times with Bob's studio stuff is he doesn't put it on the album, and then a lot of managers and publishing companies, etc., shop the songs around sure. um, to other artists to record. You know, and. Uh, so, <clears throat> George Harrison actually recut a version of it for one of his later 70s albums. I don't, it was never officially released either, I think. Um, <laughs> this song is cursed. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, the George Harrison version I really don't like at all. It, okay. it, it, it's really 70s sounding. It's very Beatles-y-ish and not the best Beatles. You know what I mean? This, okay. it's a, you should check it out. It's on YouTube. It's, it's, uh, it's strange. And you're like, yeah, I can see that George also really loved it probably. And then try to, you know, kind of make that 70s English rock sound all over it. And it just, I'm, I'm not crazy about that. I actually, to tell you the truth, I, I've heard all the cover versions and I don't like any of them. I mean, I just think, like, <laughs> I just think that Bob, it's one of those songs that like when Bob does it, it's, it's the best song in the world. When other people do it, it just doesn't seem to work. And I think Bob writes a lot of songs that when people cover them, sometimes I would never say that they improve on them, that they make them their own, but that's one of, that's a Bob song. When you hear that, that's Bob Dylan and that's Bob kind of, you know, distilled and to hear like the Everly brothers. And I think the lead singer from bad company did a version of it. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. And it's just, you know, again, they, they really eighties them up or they just overproduce them. And it's mm. like, listen to what he did at the other end. All you need is a guitar, you know? Right. And so, uh, yeah, so great song. Just everyone should check it out. And, you know, there's so much unbelievable stuff that he never officially released or, you know, has been surfacing on the bootleg series in the last couple of years. And you're just like, how do people not realize this guy? (laughs) Just the most immense, you know, uh, artist. Uh, I mean, I I just I heard you say uh, on one of your podcasts, you like Springsteen, too. And I, I like Bruce a lot. But I, I think for me, at least, Bruce kind of really takes a dramatic drop-off after around 84, 87. And the records just, they're not bad, but they're just, they don't hit me, you know. Mm. Whereas Bob, it's just like, man, he just keeps putting out great stuff. And, <laughs> you know, you just, you can't beat him. You just can't, I mean, you know, we'll never see anyone like him again. No. Which is why I'm going to all the shows I can this summer. That's the saying. perfect, I wanted to get into that before we sign off here, is that it's funny, you're going to be seeing him on July 14th, right? Isn't that what you told yep. me? I'll be seeing him. I'll be seeing him July thirteenth. Oh wow! So we will be right back to back. And what I wanted to say was, um, before we wrap up here, I, you should come back on after that, so we can compare live performances. Okay. All right. So we'll do awesome. that. And then you're seeing him again right after that, right? Yeah. He's uh, so he's playing Boston on the fourteenth, uh, right in my hometown, and then he's playing up in Portland, Maine, which is about ninety minute drive, and uh, which is a great, great, great city. You I've know, been there. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a great, great, great place, and. Uh, I've never, it's like an amphitheater on the water. Uh, I'm sure he's going to do Spirit on the Water. Actually, who knows? I mean, yeah, you have no idea whether he's going to do that or not. Yeah, you know, you know what'll probably happen is that'll be the night he decides to cut three of the songs that I've been waiting to hear, you know, all summer and, <laughs> and, and, and play a new one or something or, or you know, do something from, uh, you know, maybe he'll do something from Street Legal. Who knows? I mean, maybe he'll I think sing Freebird again. Yeah, that was, how great was that? First off, you know, kudos to Bob to just turn, I mean, first off, that band. The musicians in his band are incredible musicians. So everyone, even if you don't like Bob, don't go see this band. They're that good. 
But I love that he just took that and just ran with that. Oh, oh, you want to hear Freebird? <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> and they actually did it. I mean, it just Bob's when when Bob shows a sense of humor, it just floors you because you just seem so dour and so serious. And then when yeah. he makes a joke, it it just it hits you like a with a wallop because you're just like, oh my god, he's got a sense of humor. He's really funny. So. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll have to have you back on to compare. Uh, performances, we'll, because we'll, we have seen them back to back, night to night. So that'll be a yeah. perfect uh, way of, of getting into sort of how mercurial he can be and change things up, and uh, that'll be really interesting. So um, I guess we should wrap it up here. So Patrick, thank you so much for a for being a fan of the show, for writing in. I really appreciate it, and thank you for coming on. Rob, thank you for doing this. I think it's I think it's really important. I think everyone should just recognize just how great the genius of Bob Dylan is, and you know I'm just so I, I'm just so glad there's a podcast for people to talk about it, and hopefully this will spread the word. You know, hope so. So again, thank you very much. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to follow the show, you can just go to the website, which is at fireandwaterpodcast.com, and you can leave a, a message on the individual show thread, or use the contact page, or you can follow the show on Twitter, which is pod underscore Dylan. So again, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Abandoned Love. It's terrific. I get the one version that is available on iTunes and the bootleg version you can find if you really want to. Um, <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that officially, but you can find it. So uh, anyway, thanks everybody for listening and until next week, uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll see you later. Bye. My heart is telling me I love is I've been deceived by the clown inside of me I thought that he was a righteous but he's a babe Well something's telling me I'll wear the ball and chain Send out to see John the Evangelist All my friends are drunk they can be dismissed Descend from the cloud where you see Let me feel